Well, if you're not, uh, if you're not aware, uh, we are in the midst of a uh, four-week, I think we just extended it to five-week series uh, called Hope uh, is Here. Hope is Here. And what we've been doing is we've been picking uh, or choosing unsurprising passages, not unsurprising, but surprising passages from the Old Testament that point us towards Christmas. And today is no different. We're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, and we're going to read that and then also read something from Hebrews 1. So Deuteronomy chapter 18, if you've got a Bible, turn with me uh, to that or on your phone, or you can just uh, watch on screen as well. It'll be there. I'm reading from the ESV. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15 through to verse 22. Moses is speaking and he, uh, he says to the people, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said... Let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if his word does not come to pass or come true... This is the word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. And then over into Hebrews chapter 1, which is a long way up the other end. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 to 4. The writer says, Long ago at many times... And in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's just ask God's help as we seek to understand his word. Father, thanks so much for speaking to us in your word. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to hear what you're saying to us. We know that the clarity of your word and what you have said is not where the problem lies. The problem lies in our receptivity, uh, our sometimes uh, blocked ears and hard hearts. And so we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would 
take those things away and that we would hear you clearly today in your word for our good and for your glory. Amen. Well, I just want to say, wow, it's eight days to go. If you weren't counting, you can start now uh, from here till Christmas morning. As we've already said, we've got carols tonight, which should be great. Uh, Probably, unless you're super organised, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand if you are and you've already done. You've probably got some shopping to finish, maybe some presents to wrap, maybe some food to still get your hands on uh, before next Monday. Uh, Christmas is upon us. And it does kind of sneak up, doesn't it? It comes upon us pretty quickly. Um, But praise God, it's upon us. And what greater cause for celebration, for worship, for praise, for love, for joy, for hope, than the birth of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. As our series is, is indicating, hope really is here in the coming of the Son of God into the world. And Christmas uh, reminds us of lots of things, but one of the things it reminds us of is that we have a God who speaks. We have a God who speaks, and he has spoken to us, as the writer said, in lots of different ways in the past by the prophets, but he has spoken to us in his Son, Jesus Christ. Actually, from the beginning, when you open the Bible, what do you, who are you introduced to? You are introduced to the God who speaks, aren't you? The God who speaks, and when he speaks, the universe we inhabit comes into existence from every fine detail and the glorious, majestic things as well. He speaks... This God and things happen. Life explodes into existence by his word. We have a God who speaks. And when he speaks, not only do we see what he does, we also see who he is and what he is like. Because as he speaks, he is simultaneously making himself known to us. We see his character. We see his power. We see his majesty. We see his kindness. We see his mercy and his generosity. When he speaks, it's like nothing else anywhere. His voice is like no other. His word has no comparison. Have a listen to how the psalmist kind of pictures it for us so helpfully in Psalm 29. He says this about the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is over the waters, he says. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness, referring to when he came to Mount Sinai and gave them his law. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. 
It's life-giving on the one hand and strips the forest bare on the other and all in his temple. When this lands for you, what do you do? You cry, glory. Who speaks like our God? No one. No one. So what we've got here is kind of the the twofold thing. First, we've got the beauty of God speaking to us because there's something breathtaking about that, isn't there? That the God who spoke the cosmos into existence would speak to us, would address us in his son. Isn't there something incredible about that? Something beautiful about that? Something glorious about that? But there's also the dilemma of God speaking to us, isn't there? There's something frightening about God speaking to us. That the God who spoke the cosmos into existence would speak to us. The one who is majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. The one who is holy speaking to us who are not holy. There's something unsettling about that. So we're faced this morning with the beauty of God speaking to us on the one hand and the dilemma of God speaking to us on the other, which is exactly what was happening in Deuteronomy chapter 18 that we read this morning. Did you notice what Moses says there in verse 15 and 16? He says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall, sorry, it is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. What's Moses recalling? He's recalling when God made covenant with his people at Sinai and they were fearful as God thundered from the mountain and spoke to them. This is what's recorded in Deuteronomy 5 about that event, verse 22 to 27. These words the Lord spoke, that is the words of the commandments, to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And then he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me, Moses says. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of fire as we have and has still lived? Question mark. Then they say to Moses, you go near. (laughs) How about you go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and then you speak to us. That the Lord our God will speak to you and then we will hear from you and do it. So again, we've got the beauty of God speaking to them. He's making covenant with them. He's entering into relationship with them. The holy and awesome God with an unholy people at Mount Sinai. The beauty of God speaking to them. But the dilemma of God is that they are, of God speaking to them is that they are, sorry, he is holy and they are not. How's this going to work? 
And so what we see is that God raises up Moses. And then we see the beginning of the ministry of the prophet. Moses is the first great prophet through whom God will speak to his people. Moses is the first great prophet among many. So what we see is the beauty of God speaking to us, the dilemma of God speaking to us, and then God speaking to his people through his servant Moses. So they are now able to have God speak to them through him and live. The beauty of God speaking to them is now life-giving rather than life-threatening because it's coming through mediation. It's coming through Moses. How does Moses' ministry benefit them? Well, here's three key ways. He brings God's word to them first and foremost. So he goes and meets face-to-face with the awesome and holy God and then he comes and speaks God's word to the people. He uniquely draws near to God and then he will say what he's heard. He comes to the people and speaks to them all that God has said. He brings God's words to them. Secondly, he establishes God's covenant with them. You see, it's through Moses, if you know the story, that God enters into this covenant with his redeemed people. And in that covenant, friends, are all the laws and conditions of that relationship and how that's going to work. And it all comes through Moses. Uh, the continued revelation of who God is, his character, what he's like. The great I am, the holy one, and then the provision of God so that it's possible for the holy God to dwell with his people who are not holy. Now that includes, of course, things like if you read through the book of Exodus, you'll come across all the details and instructions for the tabernacle or the temple, the priesthood, the sacrificial system, every need that an unholy people have to live with a holy God. It all comes through Moses. Everything they needed, it all comes through him as God speaks to him and to them through him. He establishes God's covenant with them and he intercedes before God for them. This is how Moses' prophetic ministry uh, works. See, Moses, Moses intercedes for the people often, doesn't he? If you've read the story, pleading for them. That more than once the people sin against God and provoke his just judgment. But each time Moses goes and pleads with God, interceding for them according to the covenant that God had made with them, and again and again God hears and answers Moses' prayers on their behalf. God speaks to his people through his prophet, through his servant Moses. So just think about that for a minute. How, how amazing is it that God graciously provides a way for his people to hear his voice that brings them life? How kind is that? How gracious is that? God takes the initiative in that so that his word is life-giving to them and not life-threatening, so that he who is holy can speak to his people who are not holy. We have a God who speaks 
and who makes provision so that we can hear and receive his life-giving word. And again, how kind and gracious is it that God would provide a way for his people to be near to him. That through his servant Moses, the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the priests are all set up so that the awesome God can live and dwell right in the middle of his people who are far from perfect. Doesn't it reveal to you something of the character of God? Firstly, his kindness. Secondly, his grace. Thirdly, that he is taking initiative, that he's pursuing his people, that he wants relationship with them and he will provide whatever is necessary for that relationship to happen. God speaks to his people through his servant Moses and he desires, he desires relationship with sinners with fallen people like us. God speaks to his people through his servant, but there's actually another dilemma here in Deuteronomy 18 that's not immediately obvious, and it's this. Deuteronomy is Moses' final message to the people before he dies. They will enter the promised land. They're on the very verge of it now. They will enter the promised land, but Moses won't, will he? The one through whom God has spoken to them will no longer be with them. So what now is the question? How will they hear from God now if Moses is gone, our great prophet? Well, again, that's the answers found in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. God knows their concerns and he's going to raise up another prophet for them. Uh, Moses is the first in a long line of prophets, so there's going to be lots of prophets that are going to be raised up and God is going to continue to speak through his prophets, through his spokesmen, to his people, down through the ages. And we have their words here in the scriptures. But ultimately, God is going to fulfill this promise in the coming of the prophet, the great prophet, and here again we come back to Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. God now speaks to us through his Son, Jesus. Now, it's clear in the Gospels that there was an expectation in the culture, in the Jewish people, that this prophet should, would, is still to come, that he, they're, they're looking for him. In fact, when John the Baptist was uh, active in his ministry, the Jews sent priests and Levites to question him. And the first question they asked him was this, Who are you? They wanted to know, is he one of the, one, one of the promised ones? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, saying, I am not the Christ. That's one expectation they had, that the Christ would come. And so they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Because the Old Testament spoke of an Elijah-type figure who would come. 
He said, I am not. Are you the prophet, they asked. And he answered, no. They were looking for this prophet that Moses had promised would come or that God had promised through Moses. It's clear if you read the early books of the New Testament, you'll see in Acts chapter 3 that the apostles identify Jesus as this prophet, speaking of him that God would raise up, saying he has raised him up and he is here among us and he is the one we are to listen to. Not only that, but God the Father himself identifies Jesus as the long-awaited prophet. I don't know whether, you've, uh, whether you remember when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain before his disciples. Do you remember what happened there? And do you remember who was there with him? It's in Matthew chapter... No, I don't think I've got it on here. I'm just going to read it out to you. Matthew chapter 17. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. What's that about? Jesus is transfigured and Moses and Elijah turn up, the two great prophets from the Old Testament. They're there with Jesus. It's picturing that now the prophetic ministry is coming to its completion in its fullness that Jesus is here. And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, is it good for for us to be here. If you wish, I will make these tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Verse 5 tells us he was still speaking, that is Peter, which he seems to do quite a bit, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them all and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And here it is. Listen to him. Listen to him. What did Moses say? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fathers. It is to him you shall listen. Jesus is this prophet. And though he is like Moses, he is clearly greater than Moses. Let's think about that for a minute. Like Moses, he brings the word of God to us. But unlike Moses, he is the word of God. In the beginning, John says, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Not God doesn't speak to us through him, like he speaks to us through Moses, he, Moses takes God's word and then brings it to us. Jesus speaks God's word directly to us. He is the word who was from the beginning. He's not just the one through whom God speaks. He is the God who speaks. We have a God who speaks and he has come, Emmanuel, God with us. Secondly, he establishes God's new covenant with us, which is a better covenant. He establishes this long-awaited covenant with us through his blood, sealing it by dying for us in our place. 
And unlike the covenant of Moses where the law was written on tablets of stone, the new covenant that Jesus accomplishes is written, the law of God is written on the heart. He seals and secures this new relationship with God for us permanently, finishing the work of saving us. The, re- the reading in Hebrews says, after he made purifications for sins, he did something. What did he do? He sat down. What is normally happened when you sit down? You finished whatever you were doing. He finished it. And then, of course, he intercedes before God for us. Turns out the New Testament pictures or points to Jesus as being the very temple himself, the place where the presence of God is found. He is also the sacrifice, the once-for-all sacrifice for sins. And as we heard earlier, he is the great high priest as well. He intercedes for us even now. Have a listen to Romans 8.34. Paul writes, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. He's interceding for us now. If you've put your trust in him, even as you sit here this morning, he is at the right hand of God, having sat down there, and he is your priest before God the Father and his ministry to you is ongoing and continual as he intercedes for you. How incredible is that? How different does that change how you might feel coming to God in prayer, approaching God, even if you're aware of your failings and your flaws and your sins this past week, you have a great high priest there who is interceding for you. The song we sung earlier have those, has these words, Behold, sorry, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. Yes, he's a prophet like Moses, but boy, he is so much greater than Moses. Again, Hebrews 1, 2 to 4. No. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited. He is the great prophet and God speaks to us now through his son, Jesus. Some of you have heard me tell the story of years ago when uh, I was about 13, so it is definitely years ago, and uh, I was uh, at at home with my mum. It was just her and me in those days. Uh, My parents had split up and I was the man of the house at 13 years of age and we had a power failure. And, of course, I had seen what my dad did when we had power failures, which was to go out to the meter box and check the fuses. So I thought, hey, I'm the man of the house now, 13 and a half. I'm going to go and check the fuse box. So I went and checked the fuse box. Except I didn't do one thing my dad would do, and that's turn the mains power off 
before I checked the fuses. So I checked the fuses with the mains power on, and I think there was two, and I pulled one out and had a look at it. It seemed okay from what I could tell. What would I know about a fuse anyway? Put it back in, that was fine. Grabbed the second one, pulled it out, and put it back in, not realising that my thumb and my middle finger were touching both metal uh, terminals on either end of the fuse as I put it back in, at which point 240 volts or more raced through my whole body, lifted me up into a vertical straight off the wall and threw me onto the ground about a metre and a half away from the fuse box. And I yelled very, very loud. The point being is 240 volts directly is not good. It's not good. I can testify to that. Fortunately, my hand didn't lock on. It threw me off. Otherwise, I would probably be here this morning. But 240 volts properly mediated through the right things can be wonderful, right? If you look up, you can see there's a whole bunch of lights that have been hung uh, on Thursday night ready for our carols tonight and tonight we'll switch them on and it'll be because the voltage is going through the right things to us and we're rece receiving it. People recognise that direct hearing from God's word, the Holy One when they are unholy, it's not good and God knows that too. And so he put things in place for his Old Testament people that they could approach him. And then, ultimately, he comes in the person of his son, God himself, the word made flesh, and comes near to us and then lays his life down for us so that we might, who are unholy, become holy and, and be able to be in his presence both now and for eternity. That we might be able to hear the very words of God from the mouth and the life of Jesus to us and for it to be life-giving as we receive it with repentance and faith. In Jesus, the beauty of God speaking becomes all the more dazzling, doesn't it? Becomes all the more dazzling the one who upholds the universe by, the, by his powerful words speaks to us and brings us words of hope and salvation. And we are called to do what? Listen to him. Listen to him. In Jesus, the dilemma of God speaking to us is resolved once and for all through his perfect sacrifice by which we can be cleansed from our sin and made holy so that we can be near to him. But the crucial question is this, this morning. Are you listening to him? Are you listening to him? If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, then let, let me just encourage you, this is where it starts, to start listening to Jesus discover who he is and what he's like and, and the message of hope that he holds out to us, the love that is, that is communicated to us from God through him. It starts by listening to him, letting him show us how much we need him, 
letting him show us what he's done for us at great cost to himself, letting him convince us that there's no way we can be in the presence of God by ourselves because God is holy and we are not, but then have Jesus show us what he's done for us on the cross. This is what it looks like to listen to what God is saying to us through Jesus. And to fail to listen to him, as Deuteronomy says, will leave us separated from God in our sin because he is the one who deals with it. To fail to listen to him will mean facing a holy God when we're not. I wonder, have we, have we begun to listen to Jesus? Did you want to start? We would love to help anyone Start listening to Jesus to get to know him better and discover more and more what he is saying. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you profess to be a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you the question as I ask myself, are you listening to him? That's what God the Father calls us to if we're going to follow Jesus, to listen to him, to take his words seriously, to place our life under his authority as he speaks his word to us. By letting Jesus actually, actually set the agenda for our lives. By obeying his word as the final authority in our lives. By listening to his voice amongst the myriad of voices that are coming at us left, right and centre from every direction, let alone from the ones within us that are kind of uh, desires that are misspent and misguided. In amongst all that chaos is what Jesus is saying to us in his word, breaking through. Are you hearing him and are you listening to him? Actually, interestingly enough, listening in the Bible includes obeying. Uh, it's understood if you don't obey what someone says to you in God's word, then you actually haven't listened. It's quite different from our culture, isn't it? You can listen, you can have selective hearing, <laughs> you can have all types of hearing, which doesn't necessarily translate into something happening as a result. Yeah, I heard you. Is kind of how our culture, not, not, not in the Hebrew culture. If you hear, it changes something. So the question that we want to leave ourselves with this morning is, what did God the Father say about his son? He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, the one who's come, who's been sent. What did he call us to do? Listen to him. His words are life-giving. Let me pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for sending your son, for promising this great prophet who would come, who would speak your words, your words of life and salvation, also your words of warning. Thank you that you sent him and, and that which he speaks is for our good and for your glory. Would you help us, Lord, no matter where we are, if we're just seeing Jesus perhaps for the first time in some way, would you help us to be inquisitive and, and curious and wanting to hear more? Father, if we've known uh, you for however long, 
Would you help us just to check our own hearts? Whose voice are we listening to the most? Is it, is it ours? Is it someone else, someone else important in our life perhaps? Is it our culture's voice? Or is it the voice of Jesus? Father, help us to submit our lives to him afresh, even this morning, to repent and to believe, to trust in him, to see his kindness, to see the beauty of God speaking to us through his Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.